This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Please take your Bibles and let's turn to the book of Acts, the fourth chapter. Acts chapter 4. We will not be long this afternoon. The intent is to get you out. There may be some final preparations that some need to do. We want to be able to get you home, enjoy some air conditioning, get some good rest, and see you back in the morning. So thankful again for our new workers in Bible school. It blessed my heart to see you stand, have you part of the team as God uh, continues to do his work here. We're in a series where we're examining together gospel power that made a global impact. I'm excited to continue to move through this series because uh, I just got a refresher course along with some others in our church of what God did in specific cities that we just visited, places like uh, Thessaloniki, as they call it today, and Athens and Ephesus. The power of the gospel could not be stopped. And so we're going to continue to look at that and see what God did, the reality of what the Lord did back in the early days of the apostles that reminds us that the gospel has not lost its power or its edge. It is still the power of God unto salvation to anyone who will believe. By way of review, chapter 3 began with two apostles. Three o'clock in the afternoon, they're heading up this, one of the many stairways that went up to the Temple Mount, what Herod had spent 20 years building, that temple area. And they're on their way up there, and they pass a man who the scripture tells us that was lame from birth. But they're on their way there because of their daily commitment to the Lord, to pray, to meet with other Christians for encouragement. And the result of this devotion to Christ was a gathering together in His presence. All these folks that, that had been saved at Pentecost are meeting up there, but, but on the way there, the Lord has a man waiting for them. It's interesting that they didn't allow their schedule to even get in the way. These are the apostles. They're expected. They might have a, a leadership role in, in the saints who are waiting up there for them. But they see this lame man and they stop. And you'll remember Peter's response. This man is looking for some sustenance, uh, some money, something to help him. And, and Peter declares to him, silver and gold, I have none, but what I have, I'm going to give to you. And he says to that man, rise up and walk. The man, I think, was hesitant. No one had ever said that to him. And with that hesitation, but he wants to believe perhaps there's a little movement on his part. And Peter reaches down, grabs him by the hand, to his feet he comes, and those legs are whole. 
And so as they move on to the prayer meeting, this man follows behind. He's shouting, he's rejoicing, he's singing praise to God. And those that were up on that Temple Mount, that got everybody's attention. Many recognized him. And so the saints, they see him. They're praising God. And as the word spreads, more and more come together. And you'll remember that Peter preaches. God gets a hold of hearts. He arrests hearts up there. And that assembly of believers then, when Peter preaches, they become an assembly of personal workers. People are getting saved. People are asking questions. And, and God begins to work. But as God is working as thousands, once again, the Bible tells us uh, the number was uh, 5,000 men. As, as individuals are being saved up there, word gets back to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, what has happened, and they come with their, uh, their army, their soldiers, uh, to stop what is taking place. Again, this is instructive for us as we get ready for Bible school, because as I look out tonight, what I see is a united front. Many who have stood and said, well, this week, God's called me to work at VBS. But if we have personal time that we spend with the Lord, and then we spend this corporate time together, worshiping the Lord and praying and, and working together, the reality is, as a united front, God is going to do a mighty work. He is worthy of our praise always, and He's the source of the power of our service. Collectively, we have the opportunity to do what they were doing in Jerusalem. However, we also need to bear in mind, and this brings us to our text tonight, we should always anticipate that the old serpent will oppose us. I rejoice to see all the preparation. I'm so excited about the possibilities of what God will do this week. But don't think for a moment we haven't gotten the enemy's attention to. And so without the Spirit's power, we are no match for the principalities and the powers that may be organizing right now against us. So as we continue in the text, something amazing happens. You're in chapter 4, would you look at verse 15? At this point now, Peter, John, and this healed man. How'd you like the first day that you get healed and saved that you end up in trouble with the law? That's exactly what happens with these guys. He's not even, he doesn't really even know who Peter and John are. Next thing he knows, he's in front of the Sanhedrin with these two guys. I think he's thankful he's got new legs. But he didn't sign up for this. All right. And so we see this, but when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, so Peter, John, the healed man, they conferred among themselves, verse 16, saying, what shall we do to, you ought to underline that word in your Bible. It's not what are we going to do with these guys, what are we going to do to these guys? We need to do something to them to stop what is happening, these men. 
Now the religious leaders face a serious dilemma. Listen to what they say. For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. Everybody knows. And by the way, this hasn't been the first occurrence, has it? Preaching at Pentecost, thousands are saved. This thing is spreading like wildfire. And here's another significant occurrence. Now, the title of our message tonight, I'm going to take from the next statement that they say. And this ought to encourage our hearts, but look at it. And we cannot what? We can't deny it. Do you ever feel like underdogs in this world? Do you ever wonder, are we making a difference? Is, is, is anything happening that's impacting lives? Unbelieving opponents have to admit what you just said and read. We can't deny it. Why does the world hate Christianity? Why are they opposed to the name of Jesus? I've never heard anybody cuss Buddha, but I've heard the, my Lord's name used often. Why? Why is that? Because they cannot deny the transformative power of the gospel in lives. You've got co-workers and families that think the same thing about you. We don't understand it, but they're different. Something has changed. So I'm grateful that the Lord has this text for us as we enter this important week. I believe He wants to embolden us in our gospel work by showing us this, that since the Lord's enemies cannot really deny the power of His work, we should always be bold to proclaim Him. This is exactly what we'll see Peter and John do in this text. Since the enemies of Christ cannot deny His power, let's boldly declare His power to save. Let's do it. This, the gospel is not weakened. Now some of you need to share it more to see its power. You know, if you never give it out, if you never declare it, you're not going to see the results of it. But for those who will trust the Lord and be obedient and declare His word, souls are saved, transformation happens, and the enemies of Christ can't deny it. So I'm taking the words of the religious leaders as my sermon title. We cannot deny it. They can't deny it. Christian, don't you deny it. Believe it. Proclaim it. Now look at the text with me. Because the religious leaders know the lame man has been miraculously healed, they come up with an ingenious plan. This is amazing. Are, are, you, are you ready for this? This, this, is, this is just, wow, okay. Uh, this is politics at its best. You know, just those people are so smart. Verse 17, But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightway threaten them. How you like that? That's good. I, you're not acting impressed. Let us threaten them. 
that they speak henceforth to no man in this what? It's not just the gospel, it's the name of Jesus Christ. One name under heaven <clears throat> whereby we must be what? Saved. That name Jesus, the biggest frustration to this crowd. They put him on a cross. He rose again. They have threatened. <clears throat> they've done all. They, they've lied about what happened to him. But you can't stop his name or his gospel. <clears throat> and so they threaten. <clears throat> now think about this. The apostles serve a risen Savior. Through his spirit, thousands have already been saved. And now a lame man from his birth has been made whole. And the Pharisees conclude that verbal threats are going to keep Jesus' followers quiet. Now we have the whole book of Acts. It didn't work. Let me just mention this and then we'll come back to it. But do you know that sometimes with Christians today, verbal threats work? Now with all this background, Jesus rose from the grave. Thousands are being saved. You can't stop what he has started. And yes, some Christians, oh, I might offend somebody. Somebody might get angry. A, a boss may, may threaten my job. Don't witness during company time. But when God opens the door in the lunchroom or, or after work, don't deny it. They know it's power, though they will say they deny. Let's be bold for Christ. And so they make this decision, verse 18, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> now verse 19 is the bold response of the apostles. It should be our response too. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, these are the, this is the same crowd that murdered the Lord. Notice the response. Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, you judge. Judge ye. Now these guys are not being arrogant. They're just committed to God. The powerful work the Lord is doing cannot be denied. But the disciples are also very aware of this. Obeying the religious leaders would be disobedience to the Lord. Are you a gospel witness? Well, I should do better, Pastor. Well, we, we should all do better. But let me ask the question again. Are you a gospel witness? Do you share Christ? And if not, why not? Why not? Is it fear? Reprisal? What is it that keeps a Christian from sharing the gospel, the good news? Realize that if you don't share it, you're in disobedience and so am I. Peter recognizes and he loves the Lord. He knows the power of the gospel, but that's not what he brings up here. You decide if we should obey you or we should obey God. We are under orders. Good News Baptist Church, 
We are under orders. Why are we doing Bible school this week? We're under orders. Why do we designate time every week to stop everything we're doing and go out and share the gospel? Well, some do. I want to be unkind. Most don't here. Why do we do it? We are under orders. Go ye therefore. That's, that's a command. Ye shall be witnesses. Make disciples. And the problem is not a power problem. It's a personnel problem. Think what God could do if we were all as committed as these men. We're under command. Matthew 28, 19, 20, Acts 1, 8. Therefore, Peter and John continue. Look at verse 20. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So their response to the religious leaders with the healed man standing right there is very instructive. I want to show you a little diagram, and I want you to understand that this is really how things work. If we walk in faith dependence on Christ, every day, every step, yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. When we walk in faith dependence, guess what? The love of Christ will be shed abroad in our hearts, and we will obey the gospel call. If you're yielded, you'll be obedient. And when God brings across your path those divine appointments and we can seize those opportunities or we can create those opportunities as we're yielded to God. A farmer, if he's out in the field with seed in the old times with that bag, he didn't take a handful and go, I'm just not sure. Huh. Uh, maybe not. Uh, uh. What was he doing? He was just putting it everywhere that he could. So if we're dependent on Christ, we obey his gospel call. And when you obey his gospel call, you will see his power in transforming lives. And what you are witnessing will embolden you to continue to walk in faith dependence and to continue to give out the gospel. Do you think it was a motivator to John and Peter to be standing in front of the Sanhedrin and here's a lame guy. And he's completely whole, and he was just moments ago on the Temple Mount rejoicing and, and praising God from the top of his voice. Was that a motivation? Wow. It'll be a motivation to you when you see God do that mighty work. Let me just share a couple testimonies that, that I think will encourage you. I woke up this morning to a text from... Pastor Kevin Brown, and he said, did you see what's happening in Cambodia today? And so I pulled up Facebook, and the first thing that came up was a video from Matt and Nikki. How many of you have gotten to see that today? Oh, wow, many hands. Okay. So they were just sharing. They were rejoicing at what, what God's been doing. They found uh, in a community not far from them, there's a group of men that have been studying the scripture together. And I hope I get all these details right. Studying the scripture together, they, they had been introduced to some cults and they knew that that wasn't of God. And so Matt has been able to have Bible study with them. Some of these guys 
saved. I think others uh, got saved. And, um, and today they had their first baptism service. Did they baptize seven, Michelle? I think it was seven. They baptized seven. In a, a swimming pool in the city. With a pavilion next door. That's where they had their service. Guess what else happened today? As they've been working and discipling three years they've been there, they have 19 adults who wanted to form a church. Amen. They chartered that church today. Amen. Do you think that's going to do anything to encourage Matt and Nikki to continue to walk with the Lord and continue to obey the gospel call? Absolutely. And, and I'm so thankful I don't have to save anybody. I just get to tell them. And then if God's working in their heart, say, would you just trust Christ? He wants to save you right now and to a witness of birth. What a blessing. I'll share this testimony as well. Pastor Radice is aware of this. Wednesday night, we voted to give some missions money. Uh, and I have to be careful here to a brother, a pastor in a restricted country. And he, from time to time, will say, I've got these ministry needs, and, and, and can, can you all help? And God has just been burdening my heart. We need to do something to help this pastor and his wife. And so this week, I sent him a list of questions. I said, you and I, and, and I went back and figured, um, you and I have been interacting by email for 12 years. And you're sending me pictures of things that God's doing in the ministry. And, and I, I, just, I just have to ask you, I, I cannot remember how we connected. How did we connect? So, so tell me how you got saved. Uh, tell me what, what the name of your church is there. And I, I asked some more specific questions. Now, please keep in mind, we had already asked for um, some contacts here in the West for, for this brother. Um, who, who do you know here where we can just check with them and, and they can help us understand your ministry better? And he said, well, here's some contact information. Pastor Radice contacted uh, a ministry family, a pastor up in Canada, and they have been working with this brother for years and have been sending him funds. Uh, they, this, this pastor has helped this pastor in this restricted country with his sermon preparation. He's pastoring, but he, he wanted help with his sermon preparation as he preaches uh, to the saints there. And so this man uh, shared his testimony. I thought it was a contact uh, from uh, me being in India twice and, and teaching in a Bible college there. I thought that this brother was somehow connected with that, that ministry. And here's what he said. He said, I was a professional entertainer, a singer, living an awful sinful life. God began to convict in my heart, and on the internet, I found this site called sermonaudio.com. And he said, and I found your messages there. I started listening to those messages. God saved me. I've continued to listen to those messages, and then God called me to into the ministry, called me to preach, and now he's, he's pastoring a church. I don't know if this man has any other training but sermon audio. 
but he's pastoring a church. They're running an orphanage. Uh, he will go to businesses. There's a, uh, there's a, a factory near where he lives, and he goes in there and he witnesses to the workers in this factory. Where did it all start? I proclaim the word of God in obedience to the gospel call, and somebody in a restricted country pulled up sermon audio and started listening to messages. Had no idea. Okay? So I say all that not in any way to draw light here. I want to point all the light right there, all the detention there. Do you think that was a motivation when I learned that last week? To just get out and give the gospel more? Yes! I can't wait for this week. Now the reality is with this diagram, if you're not walking with the Lord, you're not going to love what He loves. You're not going to live by faith. You're going to live by fear and flesh. And fear and flesh are never interested in sharing Christ with anybody. In fact, if God gives you the perfect opportunity, you're going to have to share the gospel fighting your flesh the whole time. That's not the way we do God's work. It ought to come from our hearts as we desire to share Him with others. Now someone may be thinking, but pastor, your calling allows you to spread the gospel net farther than I can. Can I pause and just remind us that Peter and John were fishermen? That's where it started. And one day, the Savior's walking along the shoreline and he says, follow me. And there's no debate that happens. They don't look at each other and say, what do you think? They left all and what? They followed. Again, I've shared with you, I was an awkward farm boy who through my failings and God's grace has followed Jesus. And he can use you. He wants to use you. In our 50th year as a church, we need to recommit personally to the gospel. Gospel work is not just paying so all of these missionaries can do it. We do it. And then we help them do it. If we don't do it here, we're a threat to all these who are doing it. Now, how do I know God wants to use you? Would you turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1? First Corinthians chapter 1. And I, I love what Paul said. Paul never exalted himself. One of the most gifted, trained men in the New Testament. But he will only focus on his weakness and his fear. And he'll make statements like, but God's strength was made perfect in my weakness. And so notice what he says to these Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1, look at verse 26. For see, ye see, not my calling, your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Let me just pause for a moment. That word confound is this same idea. 
They can't deny it. They can't. We don't know who these people are. They don't seem real educated, but look at what's happening. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world too. Here's that word again. Confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And then verse 30, but of him ye are in Christ Jesus. There's the key. We're just earthen vessels. But we're in Christ, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And when he does that work in us, then we can share that same saving work with others. Now notice the enemies of the cross are powerless to stop what God is doing. Verse 21, we're back in Acts 4 now. So when they had further threatened them, this is the idea that they added to their previous threats, which at this point may have included warnings of punishment. And by the way, it won't be long in Acts, the beatings are coming. They are coming. They further threaten them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them. What a testimony. The only thing they could accuse them about was being faithful to their God. They weren't troublemakers. They weren't creating an insurrection. There was nothing else that they could get hold of. Again, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. Because of the people, including the additional 5,000 now who had trusted Christ. They didn't know how to punish Peter and John without the crowd reacting. Because what was happening, for all men glorified God for that which was done. Now to make sure we understand what the crowd had witnessed, Dr. Luke, under inspiration, adds this amazing fact, verse 22. For the man was above 40 years old, over 40, on whom the miracle of healing was showed. So the Holy Spirit takes us back to the miracle that was done to this man. Nobody could deny it. So let's review tonight where we've been. Peter and John had intended to join other believers in worship and prayer in the temple. They're just being faithful, they're where they're supposed to be. But God orchestrated a witnessing opportunity on the steps leading to the Temple Mount that resulted in a layman's healing, his conversion, and thousands being saved. And the enemies of the gospel were powerless to stop it. Same Lord, same faith, same baptism. And I'm looking at the same church. They just happen to be located in Jerusalem and we just happen to be located in Chesapeake. The gospel and its power are not limited unless we choose to disobey. 
Now, since the book of Acts, Satan has used threatenings and fear to try to silence the church. Sadly, in many Christians' lives, he's succeeded. Fear is one of the greatest tools to stop the proclamation of our faith. And yet, consider these closing statements. Since the enemies and doubters of the cross cannot deny the saving power of the cross, we must not deny Jesus before the world. We have no reason to deny him, but to boldly share the gospel. So let's boldly proclaim him. You are no less a testimony of his saving power than the lame man who stood there with Peter and John. Your testimony, if you're genuinely saved, is a powerful testimony of transforming grace. That's who we are. And that's what God wants to do through us to impact other lives. Since the world cannot deny true salvation, let's boldly declare our Savior's name. They said we cannot deny it. So let's go boldly and don't let anything keep you from declaring it. Jesus saves. Father, thank you tonight for this passage, for the reminder as we head into this week. Lord, I, I believe that you're going to answer prayer. Souls are going to be saved. Adults, children. Lord, it's exciting. But it's not because of our preparation or our work and putting on some program. It's the power of the gospel that is still saving souls today. As yielded saints declare it. Lord, the world cannot deny your power. In fact, that's why there is such hatred for the gospel in Jesus across this planet because they know it's real, it's powerful, and Satan's opposing it because he knows to. And so, Lord, would you help us to just simply obey you as we walk with you. And, Lord, continue to use this church family. Give us faith like Peter, John. To see more miracles, more salvations. But Lord, it begins with our own time with you. Fellowshipping with you, walking with you. And then together gathering to worship and to praise you, to pray to you. So Lord, would you continue your work now in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Christian, all of us could be better witnesses. If I said tonight, if you want to be a better witness, raise your hand. I think we'd have 100%. I hope we'd have 100%. Not talking about that. What, what, I'm, what I'm wondering is, are you a gospel witness? When's the last time you shared Christ with someone you weren't sure knew the Lord? If you struggle with that, to remember, or the answer is very clear, you just, it's not something that you, you do. Would you talk to the Lord about that tonight? 
honestly, seriously. The world can't deny the gospel's power. Are you denying it by not declaring it? Would you speak to the Lord about that right now? Then I'm going to ask a difficult question, but it shouldn't be. From this Lord's day on, I wonder how many believers here would say, Pastor, I'm commanded. I get it. And before God, this week, starting this week, not only am I going to be a witness, but I am going to set aside a weekly time to just go and talk to people about the Savior. Whether it's our organized visitation time, there are always plenty of people to go see. Folks that we're not sure are saved. Or maybe it's just you grabbing some tracks from the track rack and going to your neighbors. Start there. I wonder how many would be willing to say to the Lord, and I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand tonight. This is between you and God, but right now you'd be willing to say to God, each week I am going to purpose and set aside time to be a witness for you. And it might simplify it to just say, Lord, I'm going to share the gospel as you allow me. I'm going to purpose to go and try to share the gospel with one soul every week. at least. Would you be willing to say that to the Lord tonight? Right now. I believe that pleasing. The world can't deny the gospel. Don't you deny the gospel by not declaring. Father, you know hearts, you know the decisions that have been made tonight. Or would you use this time in your word to change us, to focus us? Lord, there are, we're surrounded by millions on this planet who have never heard, never even heard, and Lord, you're going to take us across their paths so in our area of the harvest field, they can be challenged with the truth that could eternally save them if they'll open their hearts to you. So use us. Help us to be committed. To walk with you and then to declare. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.